0: Welcome to Speakernomics, the podcast about becoming a better speaker and building a better business. I'm your host, Tom Singer, and today we are gonna talk about mastermind groups. So welcome to Speakernomics. Now to kick off the show uh, and before we really get started with the details, I want to introduce you to our three guests. So we have with us today, my mastermind group. We have been together for seven and a half years. We're going to have our eighth year anniversary that this little foursome has been together as a mastermind group, helping each other grow their businesses. We have Jess Pettit, Jerry O'Brien and Eliz Green. So I we normally have two tips on how to make a better business, but today we're going to have three because we have three guests. So, Jess, what is your tip for how to put together a great mastermind group?
1: Tip to put a great mastermind group is the same tip of growing your own speaking business. And that is to use the tool you would have that you're scared to admit. And that is that you're scared of someone or something. Lean into that and bring it together. Use your fear as a tool.
0: So, Jerry, what is your tip? My tip is in a
2: mastermind group, really engage with your mastermind uh, members Uh, At a level deeper than just business, it's one thing to talk about business, but you can take it to a whole nother level when you're helping each other with things beyond business, because our lives as speakers, uh, only one part of it is business and the rest of it is our lives. And Liz,
3: what would you say? In order to have a truly exceptional mastermind group, you need to be very, very clear about the commitment you are making to
0: each other. Ooh, these are great tips. We're going to have some fun unpacking that. So for anybody who doesn't know my fellow masterminders, let me quickly tell you who they are. Eliz Green. So she is ridiculously excited about stress. In fact, so much so she wrote a book and she is a professional speaker, a member of the National Speakers Association and a really good friend to have. Also, we have Jerry O'Brien. He works with businesses that need to close the sale in a really crowded marketplace. And he's a guy who knows so much about branding because he was the brand manager for a couple of really big companies. And now he helps smaller companies learn what big brands know. And Jessica Pettit, Jessica invites you to have conversations that you need to have with people and about topics that might scare you. And for some reason, I think the three of us scared her. And that's sort of how this mastermind all began. So what I wanted to do with this episode, there's a lot of people who have heard of mastermind groups, but they really don't know what they are. Or they've done some in different ways and they peter out and didn't work. We've been together almost eight years. And I think everyone on this call would agree that all of our businesses are better today because of of our connection than they would have been without each other. So, Jess, let's start with your tip about fear and using that as a tool. How how, how did that happen? And you're actually the person who brought this group together. Uh, Why does fear matter and how do you use that as a tool when you're trying to put this type of a group into play?
1: Well, specifically when we're talking about what we're individually fearful of We could be fearful of our own success. We could be fearful of failures. And for me personally, while I was building my own business, I knew that I needed to pivot the audience that I was working with. And that was a really scary thing for me. Even working in my own audience was a scary thing, but that came kind of natural. It was seemed to happen. And then I knew I needed to do something different. So while I was sitting in fear, I, that is literally when I decided to, I elevated all of my work to be around fear and by sitting in fear i realized that what i needed to do was to get out of my own comfort zone and the best way of doing that was to do a kind of assessment of like all right i'm going to pick a barrel of people so i picked an nsa community group at the time and inside of this barrel of people who scares me and why and slowly you weirdos began to post things. And each of the things that you posted scared me for very different reasons, but you kept posting in the community group and it kept scaring me. So I decided like, all right, if I'm going to do this, probably it's hard. You can't use this word in 2021, but the pivot to this new market, then getting new people who scare me that are not in the market I'm currently in is the smartest thing I could do to grow my business. And it was.
0: So one of the things is, is that the four of us, we now, I kind of consider you, I'm as close to you as I am to my siblings. But if you go back eight years, I knew each of you, kind of, but we weren't best of best of friends. And so that's something that you did is you intentionally looked outside of your tightest circle. Why did you do that?
1: I think, was it you or was it Jerry that actually said that one of the weird thing about the four of us is that we would not drive the same car, nor would we voluntarily go to the same restaurant. I needed those different perspectives um, for me personally I was really moving from an education market where prior to being a speaker I had worked full-time um, I'm, I've been in academics pretty much my whole life so it was kind of a comfort zone for me so if I'm gonna pivot out of this comfort zone I needed people who were not in education that was one barrier uh, guide, guardrail for me the other one was is that as a diversity expert or educator I am Cup runneth over with people talking about diversity and social justice. And I needed people where they could have entire paragraphs without even mentioning diversity or social justice because I needed to know something else. And then to me, what seemed like not education was corporate. I didn't know anything about the corporate world. I didn't know anything about association worlds or that it was even different than corporate. And so then again, the three of you kind of bubbled to the surface in very different ways. And some of them kind of to Jerry's point, some of them were a little more personal. Um, Just briefly, uh, Tom, you were kind of you represented kind of everything that I think I was supposed to be doing as like growing up in Texas. So like all my kind of younger self stuff that's standing in my own way, you just walk around with it. Um eliz's defense mechanisms are my go to moves, so I can't be the list maker who takes notes because she would beat me to it all the time, so then that kept me in a place where I would be very uncomfortable and Jerry just
0: frankly scares the shit out of me so and and still does eight years later
1: <laughs> a thousand percent um and i the, the the question that we get the most asked on, I know you have to move on to the next person, but is, well, what did you do when you identified who you're scared with? And I listened to my grandmother's advice, which is you're we're all at a no before I asked you. So I just asked you. I picked the order that scared me the least. Um, I asked a first I think is that correct? Yeah I asked Eliz first because we're basically twins. and then I was like, well I'm thinking about Tom, what do you think? And then Eliz said yes and I said yes So then we asked Tom and Tom was like yes yeah, sure so I don't have anything else to do. So then the three of them are the three of us were like, all right, so who's the next one? And I was like I know who it is too my chance. Remember the corporate shiny gray suit guy? And uh, y'all also made a little pensive face. So I was like, okay, we're on to something. And then Jerry literally was like, I don't have anything else to do on Saturday. So I guess so.
0: So I actually think that that's a great way, and I don't think most people who put mastermind groups together do it in the manner that you did. I think the typical thing is people go to their besties in the business or the people who live on their block. I mean, the four of us live in four very different regions of the country, and we speak on very different things, and we weren't super tight friends. And I think that's one of the reasons that it worked. So Eliz or Jerry, do you have anything to add to her point?
3: Well, it is not without risk. To go outside your comfort zone, go outside your besties, because I, I know for sure there were people who thought to themselves, well, why didn't I get asked to be in this group? Or it would have been easier to choose somebody you were more comfortable with. But to your point, Tom, we didn't know each other. We didn't make assumptions about each other or our businesses. We had to learn it all from scratch really. And that I think is one of the key things to know is when you know somebody too well, you fill in blanks and that doesn't work as well.
2: That's an interesting point. And I would also say, get really clear on what are you committed to? Mm -hmm. Are you more committed to your success or are you more committed to being comfortable? If you want to be comfortable, hang out with your (laughs) friends. If you want to be successful, really think about who are the people who are the type of people? What is the diversity that you want to be with to challenge your thinking and to come from a different perspective? If it's coming from your perspective, you already know that perspective. Try a different one.
0: So Jerry, your tip was to go beyond just business, to actually engage with the people who are in your mastermind group at that level. And I said when I introduced you all is that we've all become like siblings. And one of the ways our group works is a pre-covid about every 8 months we would rent a house somewhere in the country, we'd move in for a couple of days. Everybody would get 4 or 5 hours to talk about their business. And the rest of the time we'd either go to a restaurant, we'd take turn cooking dinner or breakfast. Uh, we'd put out a cold cut, you know, thing at night, we'd open a bottle of wine and maybe have some cheese. And we got to know each other as friends and on that social level. And I think that's one of the reasons it works so well. But you bring that up as an important tip. How come?
2: Well, if you think about, you know, we all have very different backgrounds and different journeys, different paths. And my journey, as you heard, was, you know, I got my MBA from a, a big school, and, and then I went to corporate America. I worked at companies like Procter & Gamble, and I was the brand manager of Coors Light. And I was the vice president of marketing for multiple different billion-dollar brands. And when you're on that journey, you're surrounded by people all the way from business school to your marketing departments, people that work for you, people you work for, too. and you leave that track and become a professional speaker. It's great, but you know how many people you have around you now? None. lonely. Right? And so um, I went from a place where I had a lot of support and a lot of people with sounding boards and a lot of this to I'm making this stuff up on my own. And then you go to NSA National Convention and you see all these people and you meet some people. But that's not an individual community. That's a big, overwhelming community. So we need to take that big, overwhelming community, find your own home within it, and then also find your your people. Now, when we first started, I didn't know you were going to be my people, but I came in to it with the idea that I needed more than just business strategies and help. I was looking for, uh, you know... My group, my people, some sounding boards that were beyond me in my pajamas in my kitchen, (laughs) and so what? What turns out? And you you go in thinking that, and when it turns out, when things happen in your life, when you have a really great presentation, when you have a presentation that bombs, and you all have, and you all will, even (laughs) though you won't admit it to other people, (laughs) um, not you guys. I mean, everyone in NSA, absolutely, and. Cause you guys are amazing, but <laughs> no, but when you have something that goes right or wrong, whether it's in your presentations or in your life, a disruption that happens in your life, it's really, and Tom, you can talk about your example, but you, but it's valuable to have engaged beyond, Hey, let's talk about business.
0: Well, and and that is true, and I think that that's something all of us have have shared the ups and downs of life, not just the ups and downs of business. But one of our first, in fact, our first face to face meeting where we had all gone to Florida together. Uh, the first night we had gone out, we had had dinner. We had we didn't really know each other very well. And I knew going into it that my father was very ill and he was near the end of his life. He was 99 years old. And my brother and I had had a conversation about this trip. And my brother said, you know, we've got about three more weeks. Don't even worry about it. Go, you know, to your business meeting. And the first night we were there, I woke up to go to the bathroom at six in the morning and there was a phone call from my brother. There was a voicemail that my dad had passed away. And so the first thing in the morning, I had to tell you all that that happened. And one of the things we did that was always really special to me is instead of starting our meeting at nine o'clock like we had planned, we all went to a restaurant. There happened to be a location of the restaurant that was my dad's favorite breakfast place. And we all went to breakfast and I got to share kind of a really rough day in my life, kind of a, a permanent marker, if you will, with You know, people who eventually would become people who super matter. And I always joke when people say, how have you guys had a mastermind group that had lasted eight years? I say, well, the first trick is at your first meeting, someone's parent has to die. (laughs) And while that's dark humor and not funny, the reality is, is that that did help bond us together because we all had to get really serious really fast And around 11 o'clock or noon, we started the business meeting and we succeeded over the next two days to have our mastermind group. And I think that when you're able to have that personal and that business, I think that's how relationships are built.
2: Imagine a world where you have a clear vision for the future, goals and milestones to measure your progress, a predictable way to generate revenue, and true control over your business. To be honest, this isn't rocket science. You just need the systems to support you, and Speakerflow can help you do it. Through technology, strategy, and community, you'll be able to build the business of your dreams and save yourself some time, energy, money, and stress along the way. Head over to speakerflow.com slash get started to find free resources and a roadmap to
1: guide you through your journey. I know that I'm speaking out of turn, but it goes back to Eliza's point about risk, right? And so, like, Tom, where that was a really big, important movement for you, I I just want everyone else, like, you don't have to kill off a parent in order for this to work. Um, When you're selecting your people, don't like, are your in-laws still around? Um, It's not a requirement, but we made a commitment to go to Florida and have dinner with three kind of strangers. And we showed up with our underbellies without having anything happen personal. Like that, that is an important thing that I think without your father's passing, how we started that meeting mattered, and to to Elizabeth's point about risk, Jerry sh- being able to share personal stuff has also allowed us to be able to share personal stuff. But it is also the case, and the last thing I'll say because Elizabeth's finger is up, but th- it is also the case that when y'all have told me, "Well, just go and do this," and I, well, oh, I can't do that. I, don't do that. I can't even like begin the imposter syndrome stuff because y'all have. a helped me avoid the risk. Y'all y'all think I can do this. Well then how can it possibly be a risk? You're not idiots. So anyway, go Alice. Sorry. I I agree with you
3: and I think what is really the key is that spending time together doing things that are not just showing off your shiny business Portfolio, but actually getting to the point where you trust the other people in your group enough to talk about the stuff that is ugly and hard, and and is just life. And honestly, if we have a meeting and and somebody doesn't cry, <laughs> we just haven't been talking, no long talking enough. It. <laughs> um, it, and sometimes it's crying because things worked out, um, but that is the the level of trust that you have to develop with the people in your group. And it, it takes cooking together and being together and trusting each other.
0: So, Eliz, your tip was about the commitment that you're making mm-hmm. to a mastermind group, to the other people who you're forming this this camaraderie with. Uh, what's your point of why that's important for a successful mastermind group that will help you advance your career? Why, why does it matter, the, the commitment?
3: So what's funny about the story that you just told, uh, Mm -hmm. Tom, about everybody going to Florida is that you tell that story like all four of us were there. You were there. All four of us were not there. I wasn't there. There was another speaker who was there because our group originally started off with five people. Um, That person is still very much valued by, I think, all of us, but he moved on to a different type of career. And that's part of this. Commitment idea is that the group has to continue to work for everybody in it and you have to share the same level of commitment to it. So I will admit when we first started, I did not have the same level of commitment to the three of you all, um, because as Jess would say, I was scared. I did not want to to let you all in. And I had lots of excuses about that. And so I didn't go to the first meeting. Your way of dealing with that was to come to my hometown for the second (laughs) (laughs) and, and uh, meet my husband and convince him that this was such a very good idea that he sent me on the way saying, I'll see you in two days. Go, go do this. This is important. From then on, uh, I have been committed to this group. I tried to quit a long way before that, but I can be honest and say I would not still be a speaker if it were not for this group. This has been an essential lifeline through some tough times, personally and professionally. When you are so very clear about we are going to meet in person This many times we are going to have video calls this amount of time. What you are expected to come prepared for, I will tell everybody that every time we meet, there is a little ball in my stomach. Even if it's on a video call, when we're meeting in person, it's a big ball because I know that I have to go and prepare go in prepared with all of the things that we've talked about in the past and what I did and what I'm planning to do. And the way I talk about it is there's no off ramp. We won't let the other people in the group stop talking about their stuff until we feel like they're done. So there may be a time where Jess is like I don't have very much to talk about and we're like
0: <laughs> 5 hours you're later cute. Yeah.
3: <laughs> you're <laughs> cute. Um but the the idea is if you have made that deep commitment but the other side of it is that you have to have a conversation about is this still working? Because maybe it comes to the time where it's not still working for everybody. And that's okay. You just need to have that conversation. So does it need to be be changed? Or is it time to sunset it? I don't anticipate that being the case for our group anytime soon. We are still all committed to it. However, we all believe that we are the weak link.
2: <laughs>
3: and that the rest of us will, uh, kick the other one out.
2: <laughs> it's just <laughs> We
3: all come. Yeah. We all come with that sensibility.
2: I uh, agree with I- Liz and the, um, the interesting thing is, you, you know, some people say, Oh, you know, I have a hard time saying no to things. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not that person. I say no to everything unless someone's paying me to come and speak pretty much. And so when Jess came to me and said, Oh, you want to be in this group? I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but my level, I mean, I showed up at the first meeting, but I'm thinking, I don't know. This sounds like a lot of time. These are great people. What a cool thing. But man, I, how often are we going to meet? And how often, I don't know. I don't have a lot of time for this, but what happened is, Within the first year or I guess two years, we transitioned into, whoa, this is amazing. This is great. The level of commitment, if you're forming a group, your level of commitment needs to start out where it's going to start and it's going to become what it's going to become. But if you want to get the value, the kind of value that we've gotten over time, you know, at some point we transition to full commitment. We're all in no matter what, you know, and that's just, you know, but, you know, continue to evaluate, does it work? But my commitment was also not, oh, I'm all in forever in the beginning. But it has it has uh, uh, built into that for all of us, I think.
0: Well, and it's interesting because there's a lot of different ways to structure a mastermind group. And there are people who do it all online. There are people who do it only with people who live locally we have sort of this combination. So we, we we shoot for every eight or nine months. Sometimes it's a year where we rent a house and we get together. And then we were doing like every six to eight weeks, we were doing a video call. What's interesting is when the pandemic hit, we moved those calls up and I thought it was just me who needed it. We moved those calls up to every, you know, two, three or four weeks. I mean, they're always, they, you know, they're coming up a lot faster. And what I realized was for different reasons, all of us needed that touch point. And so there's different ways you can structure it, but we did a combination of video calls and in-person calls. Uh, What are some of your thoughts about different ways people could structure a mastermind group that would be successful?
3: I think it depends on what you want out of it. It, You know, when Jess started this, she was really looking to make a big shift. If we're honest, we probably all wanted to make some sort of big shift as well. If you're just looking for accountability because you need to get a project done or you're writing a book or whatever, that's going to have a different kind of structure. Going in with what do you want out of this makes a lot of sense.
2: You know, everything that I thought of to say, Tom, uh, we probably didn't do any of the things. Right, like I could say, oh, you got to make sure that everyone has the same level of commitment to the business that you do. Meanwhile, Eliz was like, well, you know, I don't, I might be in. I'm like, oh, so that one doesn't work. I'm like, well, you got to make sure that you have people that are at the same level. Well, we were all doing different things. Jessica was transitioning. Tom was doing one thing. I was, I'm like, well, that doesn't work. But you know what? I don't know what the answer is, but I will tell you this. From my perspective, I value greatly that I also had a, and Jessica's had multiple people have had multiple other mastermind groups. I was in one locally as well. And I value that we are all over the country. I value that we make a major commitment when we come together and that we physically come together and and be there, those are the best. I love being online virtual. It's great. It's fine. But the meetings when we're together in person, dramatically different for me, for me, because I'm there for a social aspect as well as a a business uh, aspect. So, you know, I think that's a really hard question because we as a group don't fit any of the molds and we've been together for almost eight years and have gotten higher and higher performing
1: as we've gone. I think that that's actually a really key piece is that we get so many questions about, well, you were all at like the same financial level or you all were charging the same amount when we started false, right? I mean, if we're going to be really honest and I don't know that we've actually ever done this, I think it's just assumed. If we're talking about just the number of gigs I had y'all beat and I didn't (laughs) want to work that much anymore. And I wanted to actually turn a profit. Let's try that. So I needed to raise my fee, say no more and switch audiences. Right. So it's not about gigs and money. We're certainly not. I'm very, uh, I think our topics can like sort of overlap on each other. And there have been opportunities where we have all spoken at the same conference. And and
0: certainly our topics are complementary. We can refer each other Uh into conferences and we do. Yeah.
1: That's also true. I also think though, that And Jerry, you just started this, is that where the variables going in, it might make sense on a spreadsheet for like, oh, we need a this, a this, and a this. I don't know. Like, y'all scared me. Okay, that's it. That's it. And then when you complicate it by thinking that you need a worksheet and a flow chart and like all these other kind of like Enneagram correlated horoscope compatibility things, you're just covering up who scares you. What has come out of it is all of us have businesses that have survived a global pandemic and we are all doing things that we deeply love that are deeply connected to a clear understanding of our own mission. Right. Mm -hmm. So like the, the output makes a lot more sense. The input was we all scared each other and we still do. The other thing that I would add in that one of the thing I think, I think is one of the strongest things that we do in our in-person meetings is we have what we call fresh blood, Oh yeah. Depending on where we are meeting in person, we collectively agree with someone who lives in that area to come and have dinner. And this serves two purposes. Number one is that we kind of get our helper lens on and we always learn something from somebody that we have over for dinner. And two, maybe I'm speaking only for myself here, but I'm so nervous To, like, hang out with these three beacons of the sun that, like, being able to focus on some new person actually kind of breaks the ice a little bit. It's fun. It's engaging. Like, we're also usually pre-COVID, like, screeching into wherever it is we're meeting from whatever gigs we have. And I get to do laundry. So then there's kind of this settling in. And then we wake up in the morning, and it is solely laser beam focus on each of us. And there's good food. That (laughs) may be... That could be a requirement, right? Like, is there a cook? Yeah. (laughs)
2: You know, speaking of of the fresh blood where we invite someone else in, this is a really interesting, good point. That's a great idea uh, for for any mastermind group, especially if you're going to travel somewhere. And the reason why I think it's really cool is because we've got to have dinner with people that we all consider really impressive speakers that we might not have otherwise been able to either meet or hang out with or have dinner with. But we, one of us might know them or know someone who knows them calls them up and says, Hey, our mastermind, we'd love to like honor you as like, our like big to do guests. And people are like, well, yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) So we get to invite people that are really amazing. And then we hang out with them in a very personal way, but we also Mm -hmm. learn things. And oddly, they all seem to learn things from us, which is not the intent, but It's a pretty cool uh, thing that has unfolded in our group that has allowed us to really interact with some amazing folks.
0: So as we wrap up this episode of Speakernomics, let's go around and everybody who's listening, the reason they listen to the show is they want to make more money and be more successful as a speaker. So if they're considering starting a mastermind group, what would you tell them? So we'll start with Eliz. What would you tell somebody who's thinking about this?
3: A high-performing, a good mastermind group is going to make more difference in your business than you could possibly imagine.
2: Jerry? I would say, you know, if you're focused on making more money, and this is kind of how I came into the mastermind group, Get in there and focus on, hey, how can you guys help me think about my business strategically so I make more money, so I get more gigs, so I look at my P&L differently, so I close more sales, so I change my, 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 my focus so more people buy from me. This is what the group can be for, and there's a bunch of smart people that can
1: help you do it. And Jess? I promise you are overthinking and making this overcomplicated. And that is why your business is not successful or growing.
0: Yep. There you go. Well, thank you to Eliz Green, Jerry O'Brien, and Jessica Pettit for joining me here on Speakernomics. I would not be here as the host of Speakernomics. I would not have a career that has, has served me well over the past seven or eight years if I had not uh, gotten to know all of you and allowed you to be there to both to both uh, pull me up and push me along, as as one might say. So I'm a real big proponent of mastermind groups. I realize many of them last less than eight nine years. Not every time does everybody become uh, like a sibling to you, but I do think that you got to keep trying. I had tried two or three times before I was invited to this group to try and find a group of people who could be that support for me. And when it didn't work out, I just tried again. And I think that that's one of the things to, to create a real mastermind group that's going to work for you is you have to do that. And then everybody has to be committed where, where I've seen the biggest mistake in mastermind groups, ones I've been a part of and ones I've witnessed, is after about two meetings, they schedule to get together and somebody says, oh, at the last minute, I just got booked, I'm not gonna come. And now you don't have, you know, at least three or four people there and the whole thing goes wah, wah, wah. So uh, you have to have that commitment as well. So anyway, thank you all for being here and thank you for everybody who tuned in and listened to this episode of Speakernomics. Please join us every week for more thoughts, ideas, and actionable information on how to make more money as a professional speaker. And please always remember the motto of this podcast, Speak, Get Paid, Repeat.
3: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.